all about Jesus. It's all about the Lord. All about the Savior and the promise of His Word. It's all about Jesus. Welcome to It's All About Jesus, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Eagle. You are listening to a Sunday morning message by Pastor Mike Sasso. If you would like to join us for church, we meet every Sunday, 10 a.m. at North Star Charter School, 839 North Linder Road in Eagle, Idaho. You may also join us live streaming at that time. Go to cceagle.org at 10 a.m. to watch the whole service live. If you can't join us then, you can always go back and watch the video. Let's listen in to today's message. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the Lord. So there you go. There's one story. Okay. Now, hopefully you found Hebrews chapter 6. And I, you know what? We're making a turn for the better today, okay? Today's message is called Better Things Concerning You. Yeah, I put the clouds up there and everything so you can look up. Because we've been in a real tough portion of Scripture. I don't know if you noticed. We've been in a portion of Scripture dealing with the topic of apostasy. I mean, look at it. Hebrews chapter 6, just to irritate you, I'll read it one more time. Uh, verse 4 says, For it is impossible for those who have been once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away, it's impossible, to renew them again to repentance since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put them to open shame. Just in case you're in too good of a mood this morning, I thought I'd read that to you, okay? But really, we've been in this text, and it's been very troubling to many Christians over the years, thinking, oh no, I think that's me. And so I took three weeks. If you missed it, it's online on our YouTube channel and on our webpage. I took three weeks to go through the first... uh, actually four weeks to go through the first eight verses, three weeks to go through the troubling part, because I want to make sure you get what it means, okay? Because it's confusing, foreboding to many. Uh, But today we make a turn. Today we're taking a turn to the positive, and even though there's been severe warnings given, like I just read, we see that um, now we're going to read some encouragement and some reassuring exhortation. Let's look at today's text. It's in Hebrews chapter 6, starting with verse 9. But beloved, after what I just read, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation, not just salvation, but things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner. For God is not unjust to forget your work and your labor of love, which you've shown towards his name, and that you've ministered to the saints and do minister, verse 11. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to full assurance of hope to the end that you may not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Good stuff. I'm looking forward to making a turn to more positive light today. Father, speak to us. As we look at your word, Lord, speak to us. We want to hear from you. Lord, we want to hear the warnings, but we want to hear the promises. We want to hear when there's something we need to be rebuked about, but Lord, we also want to hear the encouragement. We need that too, Lord. So speak to us today. Open that we open our hearts to you, Lord, that whatever you want to say and do in our lives, that you would be able to say it and we'd hear it, and Lord, that we'd obey. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so the author of Hebrews, just like a good coach during halftime, when the team is losing, 
You bring them in the locker room and you tell them what they're doing wrong and you tell them the consequences if they keep down that course and then you make some corrections, half time's over, you send them out there to win. Okay? And, and that's what the writer of Hebrews is doing here. He's now taking the turn and saying, come on guys, enough of that. Let's get out there and win. And so let's take these verses. I already read them. There's only four verses. So let's take them apart piece by piece. The, the verse 9. After the warning, <coughs> but beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner. We're going to move slow. You know I like to move slow. I think there's a good reason to move slow. Here, the readers have been severely warned about some things that, as I just read you the text, it's scary. Looking at a picture of somebody who seems to have had it all and lost it all, and now there's no hope. Apostasy. That there's a point of no return for people who reject Christ, and there's a point where there's no coming back. Read it yourself. We've already spent enough weeks in it. But now he says, I'm confident of better things than that concerning you. And let me tell you why. Okay, so the reason I'm moving slow is because I want you to see, I want you to see why the author is confident of better things. It doesn't automatically apply to everybody because uh, it, it's funny, um, when we were first entering into this text, I put the Hebrews 6 passage, 4 through 6, up on my Facebook page just so people could be prepping. And some people don't like that verse. They want to explain it away, right? And uh, a good friend of mine who happens to be Calvinist uh, and knows where I stand, I didn't like it. And so when I put the Hebrews 6 verse, he put verse 9. But beloved, we're confident of better things concerning you. Well, yeah, but we'll get there, okay? And, and my concern is, because of verse 9, that does not invalidate verse 4 through 6. Because the author says to the readers, but I know you, and I know this isn't you. I know there's better things concerning you. That doesn't mean it can't happen to anyone, okay? So let's not just throw away, I tell you over and over again, don't I? Don't throw away verses you don't like because you get to find a verse you do like. They don't, they don't invalidate one another, okay? Um, and this encouragement, by the way, in verse 9, isn't for everybody, it's for those who it, it fits. So let's see if it fits, okay? Uh, when he says concerning you in verse 9, the author knew the readers, okay? And he was confident that not only are they saved, but I'm confident that not only do you get salvation, but you can get the things that accompany salvation. Now, maybe in your small groups you could talk about what those are. I'm just going to touch on a few because I, we could spend the whole service talking about things that accompany salvation. Then I'll go even slower. So I'm not going to slow it down that much. But things that I'm thinking about, what else accompanies salvation? Well, the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, the blessings of God in your life on various levels, and we can go on and on about that, but, but that's what the author is saying. Look, it's not just that you're going to get saved and get in by the hair of your chinny-chin-chin. It's that there's good things ahead for you, even more on top of salvation, okay? Now, let's pay close attention here of why the author has such confidence in better things for them. In verse 10, it says, For God is not unjust to forget your work and your labor of love, which you've shown towards his name in that you have ministered to the saints and you do minister to the saints. Now, what he's saying is, I see fruit in your life. I see evidence of, of the Holy Spirit, evidence of Christian life and fruit. And remember the warnings that we read earlier, in, uh, I think it was last week in verse 7 through 8. It says, the earth which drinks the rain and often comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those uh, by whom it's cultivated, it receives a blessing. But if it bears thorns and briars and it's rejected 
and near to being cursed, whose end is being burned. We looked at that. We looked at some parables that fit in with that. It's like ground they keep watering and cultivating and nothing, just thorns, just weeds. But what the author is saying is that's not you. That's not you. I see fruit in your life. And when he says, actually, there's two things that stand out. There's lots of things. But in verse 10, it says, you have ministered and you do minister. You've got a history of ministry and you have a current life of ministry. Now, that's somebody you could be confident in. That's somebody that you could look at and say, these guys are saved, okay? If you know somebody who they raised their hand once and mumbled a little prayer, but now they didn't do anything else, life never changed, and they're not walking for the Lord, you can't go, they're saved, I saw them say their prayer. No, what, what the reader, what the writer here is saying is, man, I've, I'm looking at your life, I know your past, I know your present, and you're in ministry. By the way, ministry just means service. Do you know you're all in the ministry? It's not like, and I, 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 maybe you've heard me pray this, I always pray, Lord, multiply ministry. Because my desire as pastor, and I didn't include this in the text, but you could look it up for your homework, is, is in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 16. It talks about the, the people in ministry, the apostles and prophets and evangelists and teachers, and what they're there for? They're to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. My job is that to train you up so that you do ministry. Huh? It's not like you come here and watch me do ministry. That's what a lot of people think church is. Oh, yeah, I go to church every Sunday to watch the pastor do ministry. No, when, if you do it right, you come and you get trained up so that you could get out there and do ministry. Okay, just to get it straight, and that's a whole other Bible study, Ephesians chapter 4. Read, read it on your own. But I'll tell you what, we're saved to serve. When I lived in California, there was a ministry of guys, mostly it was a bunch of guys who used to be gang members or drug addicts or all the ex-cons, and they get saved and they start this on-fire group. It was a church called U-Turn for Christ. Ever hear of that? I don't know if they're still going, but, but they used to wear these shirts. I loved them. They wore these shirts that said, Saved to Serve. And there's these guys who used to be radically workers for the devil, Okay, and now they're radically serving the Lord, and their shirts said it all, saved to serve. I think I should get you each a shirt like that, okay? Because that's really why we're saved. And so, I guess you should ask yourself, how am I serving God? You know what, even though I'm a pastor, I ask myself that often, is there something else you want me to be doing? Is there something more? Lord, help me to be open to the leading of your Holy Spirit. I know I'm saved to serve just like you are. I don't want to just be happy with, well, I teach once a week. That's not all. There's other things throughout my week, and of course, Wednesday and others. There's ways the Lord wants to use me. So the Christian life is a life of serving God and serving others. And I've got a bunch of verses that in your growth groups, you might even have them in your fill-ins, in your, um, your insert, that you could look up and take some time with. The growth groups certainly will. But here's one of them. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you think he just wrote that to, to one guy? He wrote that to the leaders of the church? He wrote that to the Christian audience, the church. God's given you gifts, and there's a great variety of gifts. Use them to serve one another. Huh? I'm just telling you. Okay, now, we spoke last week of the various meanings of fruit. Because fruit is more than just uh, Galatians chapter 5 verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit. It is the fruit of the Spirit, but it also could be right living, uh, the peaceful, the fruit of righteousness. It could be good works. It could be giving. We, we went over some of those, and in your small, small groups you went deeper. But fruit is actually, it comes down to evidence that you're spiritually alive. Evidence that you're really a Christian. Fruit. Results. 
evidence, okay? And I'll tell you what, we talked about this before too. If you're abiding in Christ, there will be fruit. John 15, we looked at that. If you're in Christ and you're walking with him and abiding in him, there will be fruit in your life. And now, so in verse 10, notice it says that God is not unjust to forget, or maybe he will notice the fruit in your life. See, God sees the fruit in your life. It's funny, as, as I was pondering this, and usually I cook all week long in the text I'm going to teach Sunday, I was thinking how people normally think about what God sees is the bad stuff, right? You ever do something bad and you go, oh, God sees. God sees the bad stuff, but he sees more than just the bad stuff. He's watching the fruit of your labor as well. Most people are mindful of God's watching the bad stuff, all my faults. But the positive is also true that God sees and rewards the righteous. I like the way in Nehemiah 5.19, Nehemiah prayed, Remember me, O God, for the good that I've done for these people. And it's okay to pray that way. Oh God, I've been serving you. Lord, remember. remember. Hello? Notice me. Have you ever done a good deed unnoticed? Have you ever done, maybe you've served the Lord and it seems like, oh, you've done something good and there's no appreciation. If you have kids, that's happened to you, okay? Trust me, okay? But there's times that you serve with all your heart and you're expecting a thank you and it's like crickets, right? I tell you what, you won't get that from God. Because God sees and rewards when others may not even notice. And by the way, again, fruit is not just evangelism. When I first got saved, I used to think fruit was, is there fruit in your life? How many people got saved through you? That puts a lot of pressure on you, you know? Now, I like to give out tracts, and I've shared the gospel a lot, and I've had the opportunity to do altar calls and all kinds of stuff that a lot of people don't get to do. But fruit is much more than just evangelism. God cares about evangelism, absolutely. But, but fruit is more than that. Every Christian could find a way to not only share the gospel, but to do good to one another. The verse I just read to you, use your gifts to do good to one another. Serving within the church, serving without the church, outside the church, okay? You, you, you know what? If you just stick around or come early, help us set up or, or do something in the church. Sunday school, did you notice? We need more Sunday school workers. Uh, we need IT help. We need sound. We need, but more than that, outside the church. The fruit of your life could be you see somebody with a need and you do something about it, okay? Fruit, okay? I'm not going to put it on you that it's just all in here or in the church. It's inside, outside, all right? Now, I'm going to share the first principle, your first fill-in today, and it's this principle. God blesses you that you might be a blessing to others. You know that? Some people just think God blesses me because that's what I'm here for, to get blessed, right? I've heard churches say, come on out and get your blessing, you know? Well, the purpose for God blessing you, the reason he blesses you, is that he might use you then to bless others, just so you don't miss it, okay? Now, move on to verse 11. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. Now, it's interesting, as I was looking over this text, I'm realizing um, it says we desire, and I like to, I've got the tools that I can look into the Greek, and depending on Old Testament, Hebrew, and, and in the Greek here, it doesn't say we, it just says desire. And I thought, oh, is it wrong? Is it just the authors talking, or is there a team behind him? And every translation I looked at, and it seemed like every translation says we, so the translators must know that that word desire is a plurality, a plural word, and so it's been translated like that everywhere. Why am I belaboring this? Because there's a team behind these Hebrew believers. There's a we. We're, we're counting on you. 
We're rooting for you. We're praying for you. And I think that's, that's a picture of church leadership. We want to see God do a work in your life, and we're hoping for the best in you. He says, we desire. So I would say that's the apostles and the other church leaders. And then he says that each one of you, you know, I, I know you might think, I, you're, Mike, you're really dragging this out, but you know what? God's plan is not that some of you get blessed and get to be used by God. God's plan for every church is that every single one of you, each one of you, finds your place of service and that you get blessed and that you give out some blessings. That you're blessed by God and you bless others. That each one of you are part of that. Because I'll tell you what, if you're not... If you're not involved somehow, whether it's a growth group or serving or maybe even go to the mission, soup kitchen, you don't have to do it here. If you're not being part of that, you're missing out. And, and, and um, it, you lose out the each one of you part, okay? And then he says, the same diligence. I think there should be a consistency across the board. Oh, God, how I would love to see a church that everyone is on fire. I recently, if you're one of my friends on Facebook, I recently put up a little devotional that said, I remember in the Jesus movement, when I first got saved during the Jesus movement, Southern California, people were getting saved and on fire for the Lord. And when they gathered, they just wanted to gather and worship God and pray. And you know what? I was in high school when I got saved, and I carried my Bible to school. You think, well, that's weird. Yeah, it was weird. But that's me. And, and I just, well, I might need it. I take my, now they go, on. Oh, it's on my phone. Yeah, be brave, carry your Bible, you know. And so we take our Bibles everywhere we went, and, and every chance we got, we, we'd get a chance. If I went over to someone's house, we'd invite us over for dinner. We'd show up, I'd bring my Bible. Sometimes I'd bring my guitar, too, because I was a worship leader back then. You'd look at, maybe we'll spend some time in worship. Maybe we'll spend some time in the Word. Maybe we'll pray. It was always wonderful when you gather and you pray. But you know how things have changed over the years, for me at least, I've noticed that people aren't excited to go, hey, come on over. Maybe we'll spend some time with worship and pray. Hey, I've got some verses I'm going to look at. It's like, I could go online for that. And the whole focus, the whole drive has changed. And when people got saved back then, they wanted to see others get saved. You know, you, it, it, they did have evangelistic outreaches, but you know what? You almost didn't need them because the Christians got saved and they went out in the streets. They're witnessing people getting saved. How things have changed since I got saved. That the church has become now people are looking for, well, do you have this program? I'm looking for a good church. Do you have this kind of program, and do you have this kind of fluff, and do you have these kind of flowers, and this kind of color, and what kind of carpeting? We have a gymnasium. We set up and tear down, and I'm counting on you as I equip the saints for the work of the ministry. I'm counting on you to minister to one another, to heed, hear the word of God, and apply it to your life, and live it. Otherwise, join the YMCA. All right? Or go to the senior center club. There's a lot of clubs that you could go and play cards. I'm not saying it's bad to play cards. Just not necessarily what I do. Okay? It, there's no sound effects in cards. I like sound effects. Okay. I'm getting off. Same diligence. Full assurance of hope. You know, I, I reminded Jesus said, of these three, love, faith, and hope. These three abide. The greatest is love. And so we need to have hope for the future. And so this especially is important to hear that word to an audience that just received a rebuke and a warning, full of assurance of hope until the end. You know what? You know, I just recently, I've been playing uh, online chess with friends. I'm reconnecting with people I haven't talked to in a while. One guy I used to work with years ago, 
as we're playing, I'm, I'm, I'm playing chess and I'll make a move and I'll leave a message and how you doing, what's going on in your life, I found out he's not a believer anymore. I won't go too deep into it because he might be listening. But it just breaks my heart. He's something else. I don't believe you have to die on the cross for anyone's sins and I don't believe this and I don't believe that. You know what? We need to... We need to continue on because there are many dropping out of the race. I got a text the other day from a, a pastor friend of mine who knew me when I was the pastor, uh, one of the pastors at Calvary Chapel Downey, and he's gone on and he, now he's he's planted a church and it's a big church. and And every now and then he still texts me, "How you doing, Mike?" You know, because now he's a he's famous. They'll text me, "How you doing? Good. I'm doing good. There's a battle. There's a spiritual battle. Pray for me." He goes, "Man," he said. There's a lot of people dropping out of the race, Mike. Finish your race well. Finish it. Amen. And that's, I told him, you know what, that's what my wife and I talk about all the time, how dark these days are, even though it doesn't look dark to some of you, but I'm, I'm seeing people drop to my right and to my left, and my wife and I, we're going to finish. We're going to finish together. A lot of divorces in this world. And we're going to finish well. I want to hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. So I want to pass that along to you, that you would do the same and have the mind, same mindset. Why am I spending time on verse 11? You see it. There's good stuff in here. Don't drop out of the race. <laughs> my wife used to be in a network marketing program, and they had this saying, I'm going to steal it, okay? It says, don't quit before payday. I like that, okay? I'm not doing a network marketing thing on you, okay? But I like that, because for the Christian, payday is coming. You know, you heard the old, old saying, it's Friday, but Sunday is coming, right? Well, that was then, but now payday is coming. The Lord's coming back, and we've got a hope to look forward to. Don't quit before payday. Brothers and sisters, I've seen too many drop out of the race. And I don't mean just leave this church or drop out of uh, and backslide for a little bit and then come back. I mean drop out of the race and don't claim to be believers anymore. That's why we took so much time the first eight verses of Hebrews, okay? If you missed it, go back and listen to it. I'm not going to do it again. But I like Hebrews 6, 11 in the New Living Translation. Listen, listen to this. <clears throat> Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will, will come true. Huh? Don't give up. Don't give up hope. Hold course. I like that. Okay. If just a few verses. We might finish early today because I'm moving quick. So just a warning. When I know I've, I've got more time, let's see, we're in, oh, we got some pages left. Okay. Sometimes I think I got lots of time, so I start telling stories. I'm, okay. Hold course, Mike. Okay. Verse 12 then says that you do not become sluggish. Have you ever felt sluggish? I know I don't know about you, but every now and then I have a nightmare that I'm, I'm in a dream that I'm running, and I'm like, Like, I'm, I'm, my feet are stuck in mud. I'm trying to run. And I can't run. You ever, that's how we get sometimes spiritually. We get sluggish. And what sluggish means, it could be lazy or dull of thinking or dull of hearing or slothful. You ever feel that way spiritually? Come on. Don't have to raise your hand. But really, <clears throat> you ever feel that way where it's like, man, I want to be on fire. I remember the old days when I was on fire for the Lord, and I feel like I've gotten sluggish. Here's your next couple of fill-ins. How does someone become spiritually sluggish? Let's look at this because we need to figure this out if this is me. Number one, I'm giving you an either-or. Fear 
or discouragement? Fear or discouragement? And the solution is to stay focused on Jesus, not people. Oh, I can tell you as somebody who's been in the ministry a long time, you want reason to be depressed? Get into the ministry. Huh? Because there's great joys, but there's also people could really be a bummer, okay? And, and that's why in Hebrews chapter 12, we'll get there eventually, the writer says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Listen to this. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Sometimes I have to remind myself, yeah, well, maybe they're doing this to me, but look what they did to Jesus, you know? At least they're not doing that to me. I don't have holes in my hands yet, you know? I mean, look at Jesus and be encouraged by that. So the first thing is fear or discouragement. The second thing that can cause you to just feel stuck in the mud and sluggish is just plain old hard times. Life gets rough, huh? You know, how's life treating you? <laughs> life isn't fair. It's true. You know the old saying, life isn't fair. God is good. I told you this three. God is good. Life isn't fair. People are strange. Okay? You could count on that. Make your bumper sticker, okay? But life isn't fair. And so what I'm reminded also later in, in uh, or actually in, in uh, yeah, in, in Hebrews chapter 12, later the writer of Hebrews will say this. He'll talk about sometimes God's doing work in your life. Sometimes he's, he's chastening you. Listen to this. Hebrews 12, 5 says, And you've forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you're rebuked by him. For who the Lord loves, he chastens, and he scourges every son whom he receives. It may not always be the case, but sometimes you're going through a hard time because the Lord is trying to get your attention. Sometimes the Lord is disciplining you for something, chasing you, getting your attention. Sometimes hard times, we need hard times, huh? Sometimes it hurts so good because I needed that. We hope you enjoyed today's program. You can find all of Pastor Mike's messages and any other information you would like about Calvary Chapel Eagle online at cceagle.org. In iTunes, you can subscribe to the podcast Calvary Chapel Eagle Sunday morning. If you are new to the area and don't already have a home church, we would love for you to come check us out. We meet every Sunday, 10 a.m. at North Star Charter School, 839 North Linder Road in Eagle. That is one block north of Highway 44. You can call or text the church phone at 208-891-2635. Once again, you can get any information you need at cceagle.org. There you will also find a link to join our Facebook page. So until next time, remember, it's all about Jesus. Yeah, the power of His name.